When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Blue Jays trailing the Yankees 6-1 in the top of the fifth. Now the Blue Jays' magic number to clinch a postseason berth is three. Any combinations of Blue Jays' wins plus Seattle Mariners' losses. So this one not looking good for the Blue Jays. The Mariners play at 7 o'clock against Houston. Basketball tonight, Lakers with a 2-0 lead on the Denver Nuggets. It'll be Game 3 of the NBA's Western Conference Final. The Stanley Cup Final resumes tomorrow. Of course, you can get it right here on 6.30. Ched, the Stars and the Lightning now tied at a win each after the Lightning hanging on to an early 3-0 lead last night to win it 3-2. Kelly Rudy will check in a little bit later on tonight for his thoughts on that series and also on uh, Leon Dreisaitl winning the both uh, Hart and Ted Lindsay Awards yesterday. And uh, I'm going to have something a little special coming up related to Leon Dreisaitl and those victories in a few minutes. Also, you may have heard me talking to uh, Jay Lynn about this. Uh, Dave Campbell, the producer of the show and our cuddle analyst for EE Broadcast here on 630 Ched, uh, hearing that Dwayne Mandrusiak, longtime equipment manager with the Eskimos, this would have been his 50th year. Uh, Dave hearing that he has been permanently let go by the club along with some other individuals uh dave working on some uh, details and confirmation of this and he's going to join me in uh 10 to 15 minutes to tell us the latest there okay thanks a lot for tuning in tonight it is inside sports on oilers and ee radio 6 30 ched my name is reed wilkins thanks for coming along for the ride this evening you are welcome to get in touch by calling or texting 780-496-0063 a lot to talk about in the hockey world i think there will be here uh, still for the next few weeks anyway they'll finish up the stanley cup final we have the draft and free agency in early october one question that i have been asked a lot both uh, on air and by uh, people I know in my life away from work. What is happening with the next NHL season? Well, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly did a uh, media availability uh, over the weekend, so I want to get to a couple of key comments here from Bettman, first of all, in relation to possible dates for the start of next season. Anything that anybody suggests or reads or writes or commentates about next season is nothing more than speculation. Uh, We're still focused on getting through the conclusion of the 1920 season. Uh, Obviously, we've started informally thinking about what optionality is. Uh, December 1st has always been a notional date. I will not be surprised if it slips into later December. It could slip into January. Uh, But there's no point right now in making any definitive comments on our plans because there's still too much we don't know. Uh, Nobody can tell me uh, whether or not uh, the border between Canada and the United States is going to be open by a date certain. Nobody can tell me what the state of COVID-19 is going to be. Nobody can tell me whether or not our arenas will be able to have either socially distanced or fully occupied buildings. Uh, And we're going to have to do the same thing we did 
to get ready for the return to play. Explore all the options, be flexible and agile enough to implement when the appropriate time comes. And if you remember, and I think I was subject to a little bit of criticism after we announced the return to play plan, we didn't announce where the hubs were going to be. And people kept saying, just announce the hubs. And there was speculation it was going to be here, there, and everywhere. And I, from the outset, said, I'm not going to make that decision until I absolutely have to. And I'm going to do it based on the knowledge and data that we have in front of us, which is why we made some adjustments at the last second to go to two places where we believed COVID-19 was most under control. All right, so you heard Bettman say it. Basically, they would like December 1st, but he certainly left it very open for it to be later in December or even in January. He also said he wants 82 games and full playoffs. I'm not sure how they pull that off if they don't start till, say, January 10th or 15th, and then they want to be back on calendar for next season. And he also said they really don't want to play in the summer. It's still a lot of what ifs. Now, Bettman did add, and he kind of took a shot at people who criticized him, but he, he said we, we waited a long time or as long as possible to make a decision about the hubs because we needed as much information as they could have as they moved along. And that's, and that's fair. There's no sense announcing something on September 22nd for what's going to happen with, uh, with the next season. I'm just not sure how they fit everything in. I mean, I wonder if they start in January, if they go with 60 or 70 games, try to be done by the end of June, have July, August, and the start of September as the off season, and then you're back on calendar in mid-September of 2021. Just some thoughts there. Bettman also asked, what about the possibility of playing without fans when the NHL is back for next year? How we start that doesn't necessarily relate to how we're going to finish. So if we're going to speculate, and this is pure speculation, I'm just throwing it out there as a random thought. It's conceivable that we start without fans, that we move to socially distant fans at some point, and by some point in time, maybe our buildings are open. I'm not saying that's the case, but if you're thinking through all of the conceivable possibilities, there's full, there's empty, there's a combination. And again, how we start doesn't necessarily mean that's how we have to finish. I think the NHL is going to watch the National Football League very closely. If you've been watching that league, you've seen that there have been a handful of teams with about a quarter capacity. Kansas City on their opener almost two weeks ago. Dallas had some fans for their wild comeback win against Atlanta on Sunday. So for the NHL, it could come down to different rules in different markets. There was an article today on ESPN.com co-written by Greg Wyshynski and Emily Kaplan, and they got anonymous comments from nine players from both conferences who were in the bubble, and uh, it sounded like there would be extreme reluctance or a complete rejection by the National Hockey League Players Association to have another bubble situation. Uh, for for the regular season and players, again, staying in a bubble for an extended period of time. So I, I don't really think that would be on the table as a way to get through next year. Again, this could all change day-to-day, week-to-week. You can tell me your thoughts on that, 780-496-0063. Maybe you'd be fine with a shorter regular season. I, I've often talked about that my ideal number for a regular season is 70. Now, it's unfortunate it may happen under these circumstances. And, and maybe there's limited travel whenever they come back. Um, the, Bettman was asked about an all Canadian division. He 
said he's not going to commit to that. He said you know, he was very careful to comment on the speculation. He just said if anything's an option, they'll consider it. Um, you know, I, I talked to a former NHL player a couple of days ago who said, you know, that's fine playing all your games in Canada, but it does cover a lot of time zones and there'd still be a lot of east-west travel. So I don't know, maybe maybe you stay within a time zone once you get into ne- the next regular season to cut down on the travel. I've talked in the past, maybe you play double headers. So if Edmonton has to make two trips to Vegas and two trips to Arizona, they, they do it all at once. They play Vegas Monday, Tuesday, play Arizona Friday, Saturday, and, and, and they come home to cut down hotel stays and moving around on airplanes and all that kind of stuff. All right. Uh, also, obviously, the big news, uh, Leon Dreisaitl wins the Hart Trophy as MVP, as voted on by the Professional Hockey Writers Association. He wins the Ted Lindsay Award, which is voted on by players in the uh, National Hockey League Players Association. He had an incredible season. Uh, only guy over 100 points, obviously a shortened season, but still he got to that plateau. The runaway leader in the scoring race, he beats out Nathan McKinnon and Artemi Panarin for the uh, for the Hart. Well, the, those guys were also the finalists for the Lindsay. Connor McDavid, by the way, finished fifth in Hart Trophy voting. He did have one first place vote. Now the uh, the professional hockey writers put out the voting, and uh, interestingly enough, Leon Dreisaitl was named on not every ballot. Now they list off, you can vote for five guys. So you vote one through five, and then you get more, the players get more points, the higher they're ranked. Two voters uh, didn't even have Leon Dreisaitl in the top five out of 170, which, which I found kind of curious because I've always been under the belief that if you lead the National Hockey League in scoring, you're automatically a Hart Trophy candidate. I, I know there's more to the game than scoring, but it's pretty darn important because if you never score, you're never going to win. And all the highest paid player forwards in the game can score. Um, so I, I was a little surprised that, that that a player who had that much impact on his team and led the league in scoring by that much wasn't even in the minds of two people uh, deserving of a vote even in the top five. So I got a little sentimental uh, about this, and uh, I have written a love letter to the two people who didn't even put Leon on their ballot. Can anybody hear me? Or am I talking to myself? My mind is running empty. Dear the two people who didn't have Leon Dreisaitl on their heart trophy ballots, I love you. I love your craftiness. It's quite clever how you were selected to vote for a major NHL award even though you've never seen a game of hockey. I love how you're not afraid to stand out. You probably go to vegan restaurants and complain that steak isn't on the menu. Sure, you know they won't have steak, but you want everyone to know you're not afraid to order steak in a vegan restaurant. And yeah, sure, you'll eat the tofu, but you'll remind all your vegan friends how much better steak is. I love you for your complete willingness to ignore the fact that Dreisaitl led the NHL in scoring by a wide margin. Let me guess, you watched The Godfather and thought it was just okay. I love how you probe for every morsel of information and that curious mind of yours. You're probably really into analytics and found that Leon's stick handling rate per capita on Sundays on the road in matinees was just a little lower than you would like. Yeah, you know, fair comment. It's like, uh, have you ever watched the movie Gremlins? Like, those aren't even real animals. They're puppets. Anyway, you voted with your heart. 
or maybe you're mine, or maybe you're ass. I don't know, but you voted. Maybe you can't spell Dreisaitl, so that's why you put down Eichel, which really isn't any easier to spell. It just has fewer letters. And by the way, don't get me started on the letter Y in Connor Helbig's last name. Does that even need to be there? So my point is, I'm in love with you. The two of you who thought there were at least five players better than Leon Dreisaitl, this, I can't even say that with a straight face. All my love, Reed Wilkins. I'm in love, everybody. Sometimes those arrows just hit my heart. Back with Dave Campbell after the break. Blue Jays leading the Yankees in the sixth. Dave Campbell's the producer of this show. He is our analyst for Eskimos broadcasts, pardon me, double E broadcasts on 630 Jed. And uh, Dave, we're hearing some stuff this evening. I know you're working on this story, uh, a name that has been associated with the franchise for a long, long time. Uh, what's going on here, buddy? Uh, hey, Reed. Uh, Dwayne Mandrusiak, who uh, is the longtime equipment manager of the Edmonton Eskimos, he started. Uh, his first year with the Eskimos was back in 1971. 49 years with the team has been let go permanently by the double E football team. My understanding is that he was brought in uh, face-to-face meeting with both general manager and uh, VP of football operations, Brock Sunderland and the uh, president and CEO of the football, uh, the football team, Chris Preston, and told that uh, they were going to go in a different direction, that they would be in charge of running the uh, equipment room. Uh, as far and I assume that they will find a replacement clearly because they have to now. But uh, you know, this is a this is a tough loss for the organization who uh, who has given his heart and soul. I mean, if you think about you know, double E football team uh, throughout its history, Dwayne Mandrusiak comes to mind, no doubt about it. So uh, back in May, early May, he was uh, let go term, uh, temporarily because there was hope, of course, back then uh, that there would be a shortened season. And there wasn't. So uh, Dwayne Mandrusiak, unfortunately, falls short of his goal of uh, his 50th uh, year working with the franchise. He's no longer a member of the Green and Gold. Now, the way I understand it, Dave, is, is when he was laid off uh, in, in the spring, there there were other people laid off as well. Is is yes. Do you know if the EEs have made other moves here today? They have let go one other member of the uh, equipment staff. Uh, they've also let uh, go a, a longtime member of their ticketing department. Um, and, you know, like, this is hard to swallow, but you have to understand as well, um, just seeing it from the football team standpoint, that when the season, when the, when the league comes back, we're going to see a different league because we're going to see a much more skilled back league. And I go back to the uh, football operations cap. You can only have 14 members of your, uh, of your team in football operations, 11 on your coaching staff. I think that's going to get scaled back. Uh, significantly so it's gonna it's gonna be a lot less staff and a lot less money to try and get things back to uh better times in the league so uh yeah there, as far as i know there's a couple of others that that have been let go uh, one on Dwayne's staff and a member of the ticketing department now with with Dwayne, th- this would have been his 50th season was there any talk that that this would have been his last year had he made any indications along those lines 
Yeah, I, I did hear a lot of rumblings about that, and, and you know, Dwayne himself really emphasized the fact that he wanted to, you know, really wanted to get to 50, season number 50 for sure. So, um, you know, it, it's just really sad that he's going to fall short of this. You know, his story is just is just incredible. He's, you know, it's funny because he's a he's a he's a, a such a likable. Uh, funny individual, and yet if we ever asked him to do an interview, he'd say no because uh, he just doesn't like the spotlight or the limelight. Even though, you know, hopefully one day we will see him on the double E Wall of Honor uh, inside of uh, Commonwealth Stadium. And he got, you know, in 2012 he revealed that he was dealing with Parkinson's disease, and I know that's uh, that's something that is has limited him but he's kept going and in 2013 at the great cup in regina he won the commissioner's award for uh contributions to the game of football in canada so it's just really sad that it has to come to this but you know i'm, I'm led to believe that uh year 50 might have been and probably would be his last well, this this is tough news. Uh, I mean, like you, like you said, he's so synonymous with the team. So many players, would, and we're going to have Blake Dermott on the show a, a little bit later on. So we'll we'll talk about this uh, with him here uh, as well. And obviously, you mentioned him uh, working with with Parkinson's disease. So I think since 2012, Dave, is that is that what you said? Yeah, August 2012 is when he re- when it was revealed that he he uh, was that uh, that he has Parkinson's Parkinson's disease. So that's that's over eight years now. Yeah, and and does, is, is it his son that also has worked for the team or does work for the team, or am I yeah, thinking both, of somebody else? Both Matt and Mackenzie have worked for the team. Uh, Mackenzie, um, you know, and he's a firefighter. Mackenzie's, <laughs> Mackenzie's very busy, but he, every every season he is putting in his time working with his dad on the equipment stuff. So, and you know, I've seen Matt ar- around as well, and he used to when I. When I broke in, uh, when I was uh, uh, covering the team first in 2004, you know, I saw Matt a little bit too. And uh, over the years, he would he would come around as well. But uh, Mackenzie has definitely been someone that has that has been there, uh, you know, on, a, on almost a full time basis, and yet still working a full time job being a firefighter. Now, has there been, and I know you've been working hard on this for for the last little while here, uh, late this afternoon. Uh, has there been any official word from the from the team at this point? Uh, no, there has not. I did uh, make contact uh, uh, with their with their current media relations uh, person, and she said she was going to uh, look into this. And as of about an hour ago, I, I well, since an hour ago, I haven't heard back from her. So, um, hoping to get this confirmed. But I have it on pretty good authority that this is uh, this is definitely the case that Dwayne Mandrusiak is no longer a member of the team. All right. Well, that's going to be a different world whenever we get back, and uh, and he's not there. And it's uh, yeah, this 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 is tough. I mean, it's one of those names. Um, I mean, it's that odd situation, right? A name all the yeah. fans know, even though he uh, you know never scored a touchdown or got an inter- interception, but still an important part of the organization. Oh, no question about it. And uh, you know, when when TSN was uh, going through their uh, all time. Uh, teams they had builder categories. They named Dwayne Mandrusiak a builder as as part of their uh, as part of the Eskimo or the, sorry did it again the double A football team all time roster. They named him a builder. I mean that's how respected he is. And you know whenever we were on the road, I mean Dwayne's always talking to someone from the home the home team, and it, and it happens you know when they're at home and they're setting up uh, whatever visiting team's coming in to set up shop in the uh in the visitors room and you know we know that Dwayne does have uh 
you know, some tricks up his sleeve, especially when, you know, Commonwealth had a crash field and there'd be some tricks that Duane uh, would, would employ, you know, to give his team a better advantage. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, one of the most likable individuals you will ever, ever meet in this league. He's an icon. When you think CFL, when you think double E football team, and I'll even say the name, I'll say when you think Edmonton Eskimos, um, there is no question that Dwayne Mandruziak is uh, a name that you that you uh, think about. Uh, I think instantly that someone that knows the double E football team as well as as, as 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 someone would following the football team, someone like yourself, someone like many many fans that uh, are listening right now. So it's. Uh, you know, you understand the, the, the times are tough and, you know, if the CFL is going to come back, and I do believe it will come back. Um, I don't know in what form it will come back, and I definitely hope it is in time for 20, the 2021 season to start around May-June. It's going to look different just because you're going to have staffs that are scaled back. I mean, I can see coaching staffs re- go back to, to six or seven coaches on staff, and we're not far removed from the Riders winning in 2013 with eight on their staff. But, mm-hmm. you know, what you're not going to get is a lot of the entry-level positions, right? So, uh, you know, uh, there's no going to be no room for entry-level coaches anymore, at least for the time being. So, uh, so it, it, yeah, it's just a sad day for, I think, this country, the, the league, and especially those of uh, that, that love the double-E football team. Yeah, well said. Dave, thanks for checking in tonight. You bet, Reed. All right, news and weather straight ahead here and Kelly Rudy in the next half hour. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Blue Jays after six are trailing the Yankees 7-1. Also tonight, keep an eye on the game between the Mariners and the Astros. The Blue Jays' magic number to clinch a playoff spot is three. That's any combinations of Blue Jays' losses plus Mariners, uh, pardon me, Blue Jays' wins plus Mariners' losses, totaling three clinches for the Jays. So it doesn't look like they're going to win tonight, but if the Mariners lose, at least they could shave it down from three to two. Basketball tonight, Lakers and Denver will tip off in about half an hour. Lakers up 2-0 in the best of seven West final. Hockey resumes tomorrow. It is game three of the Stanley Cup final between Tampa Bay and Dallas. Dallas will be the home team for the next two games at Rogers Place. So we got game three tomorrow, game four on Friday, and then it's that back-to-back. Game uh, Game five will be Saturday, so we now know for sure there'll be a game five. They all start at six, and they're all right here on 630 Chet. 780-496-0063 is how you can call or text our own Dave Campbell reporting that Dwayne Mandrusiak, the longtime equipment manager of the Double E football team, this would have been his 50th season, Uh, had the season been played, has been permanently let go by the team along with a couple of other uh, individuals. And uh, Mandruzek was uh, part of a group of people who were, who were laid off in, in early May as, uh, as the pandemic was in its early stages then. And uh, Dave reporting that uh, Mandruzek has been uh, permanently let go. So he will uh, not get a chance to work his 50th season. A couple of texts here. This individual says, I don't understand if they have to bring in someone uh, for an equipment position to replace him, why would you not just let him do his job 
for one more year so he can have his 50th. And James says, uh, now, James, I'm going to read your text. I'm, I'm not distrusting you. I just don't know myself if this is true. I know there's some sort of a September deadline. James says, from my understanding, yesterday or today was a deadline with the CRA that people who had been on CERB had to be notified that they would be recalled to work or terminated. So the football team may have not had much choice whether they could keep them. All right. I didn't know about that, James. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe someone can fill in a little bit of the blanks there. I, I don't, and again, I don't know if that would have related to what has happened here with Dwayne Mandrusiak, but that's tough news. And uh, we'll get some firsthand perspective of uh, what it was like to uh, work with Dwayne Mandrusiak to be a player while he was there uh, with Blake Dermott, who's coming up after the seven o'clock news. A couple of other texts here. Uh, where was this one? Neil says, has a goalie ever won the Ted Lindsay award? Yes. Mike Liute of the St. Louis blues won it in 1981. Dominic Hasek won it twice in both 97 and 98. Still would have been called the Lester B. Pearson trophy back then. And in 2015, Carey Price won it. So it has been won by three goalies on four occasions. Liute, Hasek twice, and Price. And, of course, uh, Leon Dreisaitl winning it this year. And here's another one. I'm going to have to turn to you folks for some help because I don't know the answer to this. This is a good one. Tice says, was wondering if you know how to listen to NFL games online via a radio app. It's been removed from TuneIn Audio Premium. Now I don't know how to listen to the games while milking cows. That is from Tice. If anybody can help Tice listen to football while he's milking cows, I beg of you, text into the show. 780-496-0063. That's the beauty of this job. You never know what you're going to get to say each night when you turn on the microphone. <laughs> if you can help Tice listen to football while he's milking cows, please text in. Well, we got somebody milking cows. We've uh, got several people who are uh, out in a combine listening to the show. It's pretty cool. Got a very rural vibe on Inside Sports sometimes. Uh, I like it. All right. Appreciate all your feedback. And, uh, yeah, it's tough news about Dwayne Mandrusiak, Dave Campbell breaking the story uh, this afternoon. We do, we do not have confirmation from from the team, but uh, if if Dave's going with this, obviously he's, he's well-informed on it. And uh, he had some information there, too, um, about some other stuff. So, uh, unfortunately, it looks like Dwayne Mandrusiak, uh, I mean, he would have been about two-thirds of the way through his 50th season, if, if not for the shutdown. And, uh, yeah, it looks like he won't get a chance to come back uh, next year for kickoff to make it 50. That is some tough news today. 780-496-0063. Tell you what, we'll take a quick timeout, and we'll come back with Kelly Rudy for Sentinel Storage. Okay, quickly, a couple of messages for Tice about listening to the NFL while milking cows. Uh, a Plitt says, NF, uh, Sirius Radio app. And another texter says, Google the name of the NFL team. For example, Denver Broncos NFL radio station. Click on that link and press listen live. 
That's from BK. Yeah, I mean, that's how you could listen to Ched, too. Um, there might be some regional restrictions to that, but uh, yeah, you can always try the radio station online. All right, thanks for helping Tice. He joins us every week, courtesy Sentinel Storage, shop Canadian, store Canadian, head to sentinel.ca. Former NHL goaltender, now broadcaster, the one and only Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, Reed. Thanks. Uh, how are you holding up? Well, I'm doing okay. It's been a bit of a one day off, one day off schedule this week, I guess, because we're doing the uh, Stanley Cup final every second day. So I have a show tonight and uh, a show on Thursday, and then yep. uh, beyond that, we'll see. There could be a game Monday, could be a game next Wednesday. We just don't don't quite know yet. Yeah, I'm with you. That's kind of where I am. My mindset is that, uh, of course, I'm enjoying the hockey. It's better than I expected. Uh, I think we're going to get into that about uh, some of the hate that now entered into this uh, series. But I- I'm just overall extremely impressed with the NHL uh, appearing to uh, pull this off. I didn't know it would be... I know there's a bit of complaining, but uh, I-, I think for the most part, pretty darn seamless considering the task. Yeah, I mean, so many players, coaches, and team personnel involved. There haven't been any positive tests in the bubbles in Edmonton or Toronto, so that's all gone well. And you mentioned, did you, were you worried there was going to be a poor quality of hockey, a sleepy quality of hockey? What were the concerns you had there going in? Yeah, I did at times. And uh, throughout the tournament, there have been moments, uh, you know, my wife and I were actually having this conversation. I can't remember which teams were involved, but somebody might have been down uh, 3-1 or something in games. And and we're driving actually to the golf course that day, and we're like, she says, what do you think is going to happen in this series? And I said, you know what, in most most times in a playoff round, I go, you know, I, I expect their best game. They're going to try and do their best to make it 3-2 and, and claw back into the series and and i thought for the first time i I never thought i'd say this about an nhl team i thought you know what i bet if they fall behind early they're just going to be pretty darn happy to be going home the next day to see their families and and it didn't happen like there have been so many cases uh, where i don't even think it anymore because uh teams have uh they've dug in and just at a moment when because these guys aren't quitters, but I thought just under these circumstances, there might be a time or two where they might just throw in the towel and it just hasn't happened. I'm so impressed with these guys. Yeah. I know. I said that in the whole ramp up to this, that I didn't think there'd be any three, one series that would go to six or seven games, but uh, I mean, three yeah. in that one round, the Islanders stay yeah. alive. So yeah, that, right? that's a really good point. I, you, you mentioned the hatred and I thought, it really ramped up yesterday in that game. A lot of penalties, not all born of aggression, but there were some retaliatory and aggressive type penalties. Uh, and you just started to see more scrums after the whistle. Corey Perry even getting under Hedman, <laughs> under Hedman's skin, right? which was uh, interesting. I mean, you, you played in a lot of playoff series. If, if it's an unfamiliar opponent, does it take a couple games to really start to hate um, the other team? Did you ever go through anything like that? Oh, of course. I don't know about uh, a couple of games, but definitely I go back to 93 when we played uh, Toronto in the conference finals. And we were a tired team already. We had already had a couple of tough series with uh, Calgary and then Vancouver. And then the long trip from uh, L.A. to Toronto, we played the next day and we were sleepy as can be in the in the game one. If I'm not mistaken, uh, they Toronto had 
20, maybe 20 some shots, 22 or 23 or something in the third period on me. We ended up losing that game, I think, 4-1. But there was no hatred in the game until I think about six minutes left when Marty McSorley hammered Doug Gilmore with that massive body check. And then Wendell Clark got into it, and they had an incredible fight. And all of a sudden, we were back in the series. Because like I said, we were really sleepy in that game and no emotion. And all of a sudden, Marty woke us up, and uh, the rest of the series was just uh, incredible uh, battles every single night, pure hatred every single night. The coaches got into it. There's, uh, I remember Barry Melrose and Pat Burns got into it in the press. Uh, I think our team, uh, I, I wasn't really aware of it at the time, but I think we may have banned uh, Hockey Night in Canada or our players from going on Hockey Night. I can't remember that whole situation, but it was plain old ugly. And I saw a lot of that starting last night, as you mentioned. And I, I just thought it was excellent. I, I like that kind of hockey because uh, I think we as fans were the beneficiaries when there's hatred in a game and true passion. Where, where do you put... And I mean, look, he is despised in Edmonton. I'm talking about Corey Perry because of all his work with uh, with Anaheim. Yeah. Is he... I mean, if you look over the, the last 10 or 15 years, is he the the ultimate combination of uh, peskiness and, and ability. I mean, I know there have been some other players, but he, he's got to be right up there. He, and he, he's like every – every t- if there's a goal scored when he's on the ice, it's almost always like, <laughs> oh, should they challenge for goalie interference? Because he's right on top of the goalie. And, I mean, Talbot experienced that in the playoffs three years Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, a, there's an element to me as a – a goaltender that uh, I really despise the way he plays because as you mentioned, he's always falling on the goalie and there's always a leg, you know, trying to kick out the goalie's feet or something. He's always trying to get under your skin very much. Like I think he, I put him in the same category as Brad Marchand. So, um, but just tremendous hockey players, both of them. And you'd absolutely love to play with these guys and go to battle with them every night. Kind of like my good friend, Tony Granado, that, was just inducted into the American Hockey Hall of Fame. You know, I think other people might not have liked him or appreciated the way that he played, but, man, if you're on the same team, you just love the guy. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I had a chance. I never really got to know Corey Perry at all, but I had a fantastic conversation with him, I think, last season when he was injured uh, in Anaheim. And I, I was just really struck by uh, how nice and thoughtful he is. And uh, I didn't know this, but Kevin Bieks has said that he and Hudobin absolutely love uh, watching the hockey. And uh, on off nights, they're watching every night. And they're, uh, they love watching the highlights and everything. So it's, it's a real nice story for me, knowing that these guys really, really love the game. And I know you and I have talked about it at the time. Not all players watch hockey. They, they they're very good at it, but they don't they don't necessarily need any more to fulfill their lives, and that's okay as well. It's interesting you bring that up because there are some players that I mean, look, they're they're all dedicated, but there are some players that when they're not playing, they're watching it, and there are some players that escape from it. And speaking of a goaltender, it was it was in the the sixteen seventeen season when the Oilers did really well and got into the playoffs. And the Canadians were here, and I went into the Montreal dressing room after their skate, and Carey Price yep. had a huge scrum. Yep. Um, so I, I, I said, uh, you know, just any thoughts on the Oilers? They, they're, they're, you know, Drysdale and McDavid are putting up a ton of points. Any mm-hmm. thoughts on the challenges they present? And he looked at me, he's like, 
I don't know. I don't watch a lot of hockey. I guess they're pretty good. <laughs> no, I don't. I, like I don't know if he was just if that was sincere or if he was just like yeah. I don't want to answer an Edmonton reporter's question or or say anything nice about these guys. I was just well, like, okay. I don't know, but I know that uh, like when I went to L.A. and I didn't know what to expect with Wayne. Like I'd been around him in the '87 Canada cup and got to know him there but i didn't know him as a, a teammate that uh, and i certainly didn't know i was going to play on the same team with him for about eight years but what really struck me is that like he loved watching hockey every single night that we're we're off he is watching hockey whether it's at home or we go out in the road and he'd be watching uh, games and try and find a, a restaurant with a game on or a bar or whatever and 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 yet and then years later i ran into nick lidstrom and i asked him the same thing so another exceptionally good player right and he goes no you know what kelly i get my fill just by playing i don't i don't ever watch any hockey and so it was kind of that conversation that it struck me there's no right or wrong answer it's you know it's whatever you prefer both incredible players so it's not like nick lidstrom was missing out on the scouting of the league or the info he needed to excel at his position so from that moment on, I was like, yeah, I don't judge if a guy likes a game or likes to watch it or not. If he's good at his at his craft and uh, plays hard every single night, plays with passion, then I'm okay with it. Kelly Rudy joining us tonight at Inside Sports. Leon Dreisaitl gets the Ted Lindsay, gets the heart exceptional season I, I mean to me it was uh, it, it was a no-brainer that he should get yeah. both, both awards but uh, you know your, your thoughts on that and maybe may a tough question Kelly maybe a little unfair but the the next step for Dreisaitl if 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 you see one here I mean maybe it's just team success but but what do you look at well first of all uh, I I agree with you he deserved both the awards uh, the Ted Lindsay of course I think for most of us that played kind of stands out a little bit more because it's voted upon by the players. And so that kind of skews things kind of like me for the Vesna, uh, because that's chosen by the general managers and, and that adds extra credence, I think to it, or just even the fact that you're nominated because it's general managers. Uh, but I think the next step for the Oilers and dry is I just hope he truly, truly embraces the fact that, to be a center and not have to play on the same line as McDavid. I, like, listen, everybody would love to play on the same line as McDavid. Who wouldn't, right? I mean, you're playing with uh, arguably the best player of his generation. And so I understand that. But I think for the Oilers, uh, in a perfect world, and I think I've been on your show before saying this, if you have McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins as your three centers, you are set. You don't have to do anything for years. You're you're maybe as set up as any team in the league. And uh, that's what I'd like to see, just if he could absolutely, truly embrace uh, being the center on his own line for an entire season, then I think you're in good shape. So that leads me to the next question. If you look at an off-season priority for the Oilers, and I, and I think it's going to be goaltending, which we both understand. Yeah. But are you suggesting they just need to, to load up on, on wingers so the big three are all on different lines? Because, like, whichever line Nugent Hopkins goes on is kind of the better line, right? <laughs> right? But yeah. you'd still like them all down the middle, eh? I would. And, and you know, and when you say load up, I understand the term, but you don't really have to go out and spend tons of money to load up to get the right kind of players. And and I'm going to talk about Blake Como. So here's a guy that 
I mean, he's bounced around a lot. And it's not that he's unwanted. It's that he is wanted. You know, he's kind of like the current Lee Stepniak. You know, he's right. pretty affordable. But every single place he goes, he, he's loved because he fills his role. He's on a third or fourth line. Like, you look at Como. He might be playing his best hockey of his career right now on the fourth line. Fingers crossed that he can come back from last night's injury. But, you know, and I'm, I'm talking like guys like that that, you know, they're not expensive, they understand their role, they're happy as a third or fourth liner, they're physical, they have uh, enough skill to get by. You know, Como, when he first came on the scene, he played for the Islanders, I can't remember what number he had, maybe 28 goals or something one year. But that kind of fooled everybody into thinking he's a different kind of player than he is. Like, he's a way more effective player playing the style he does now. And the Oilers, there's guys out there, you could go find them. And they add so much depth to your team. And they don't cost a lot. Well, and that's going to be the key because obviously the cap's not going up and, and quite frankly, right. it might not for a while. Kelly, yep. hope things are going well for you there in Toronto. Tell you what, we'll uh, we'll find a day to connect uh, connect next week, uh, probably after the series, to, to wrap it up and look ahead to the offseason a little bit. Always a pleasure, buddy. Take care. Thanks, Reed. Take care, bud. All right, that's Kelly Rudy for Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian. Head to sentinel.ca. Blake Dermott, when we get back. 630 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.